Okay, go ahead and pull out your Bibles and pull out your notes this morning. We are going to be doing installment number four of five of our Everyday Jesus series. It's been really fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. We've been talking the last few weeks over this series together. What does it look like to follow Jesus every day? Because if Jesus is alive and if he matters for our life, then he ought to not just matter on Sunday. If he just matters on Sunday, then why does he really matter at all? Maybe Jesus really does matter every day. And in the first couple of weeks, we spent our time basically just dealing with some questions that come up when we even think about how to walk with Jesus every day. One of those questions was, does uh, Jesus even care about my every day? And number two, if he does, why? Why would God care about my every day? And, and lastly, th- the third question with the second week was, if he cares and there's a reason why he cares, is it really even possible to walk with Jesus like every day? Can you really have a relationship with God? Is that even possible? Because if we don't have answers to those questions, then this whole concept of walking with Jesus every day is kind of irrelevant. We've got to get those questions settled. Last week, we uh, started zooming in on elements of our life uh, that are everyday parts of the way we live life and saying if Jesus is an everyday kind of Jesus, then he ought to have some things to say about the everyday parts of our life. Amen? So some of you weren't here for those first few weeks. You're like, I want answers to those questions, actually. (laughs) You can go back and listen to them. It's all right. So last week, we started talking about zooming in and some elements of our life, and we talked about money, the big thing you don't talk about in church. And this week, we're going to talk about the second thing you don't talk about in church, sex. Hey, I'm, hey, amen. Nobody knows what to say. When you, when, when you bring up money, everybody gets grumpy. When you bring up sex, everybody gets nervous. <laughs> so we're just going to be nervous the rest of the morning. We're going we're gonna to talk about sex. And so uh, we're, we're talking about sex this morning because it's part of our everyday life. It, it is. We all came from it at the very least. So that's why we're talking about it this morning. And this is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about because I'm just going to be honest. I think that sex is amazing. Can I say that in church from a stage? Hallelujah. God is good and sex is great. And when I look around the world, we live in a world where the vast majority of what I see and what we all see is people at, very, at, the, at the best missing it. And at the worst, totally throwing away what God meant for this and really hurting themselves and hurting other people. We've taken this amazing thing and we can miss it and we can even use it to actually have a whole lot of pain. And I figure that if the vast majority of the songs that are on the radio and the movies and TV shows that are, that are on screens and the mass, vast majority of people in our lives and the way we look around and see, if, if the vast majority of all that can have free reign to lead us into like brokenness and pain and even disease, then maybe we can spend like 40 minutes at church one time letting God have his share of our ear to tell us how this ought to go and what it really could be like. So I think that God has a better, sex, has a better plan for your sex life than the devil does. We've been talking about that all through this series. If we're gonna walk with Jesus every day, we've gotta believe in the big picture that God's got a better plan for my life than the devil does. And when you zoom into sex, it really is true that that God has a much better plan for your sex life than the devil does. We think the devil invented sex and that God's trying to keep the good stuff from us. And nothing could be further from the truth. God created it. And if God made it, God should govern it because he knows how to do it best. I heard somebody say it like this. They said, you know, sometimes when, when it comes to sex, especially and God has like boundaries on it and stuff, we get all huffy and puffy about it. But if you go buy a chainsaw from Home Depot, nobody gets huffy and puffy about reading the owner's manual. Like nobody's mad at Home Depot like, oh, you're trying to ruin all my fun with my chainsaw. It's like, no, I just don't want you to cut your arm off, right? 
But when it comes to God and sex, it's like, oh, God, ugh. Maybe he's actually trying to lead us into something special here. So that's what we're going for this morning. And saying all of that, sex can be a very uncomfortable and awkward thing to talk about, and it can be a really complex thing to talk about. And as I prayed and was preparing for this message, and I was realizing, like, oh my gosh, this is hard <laughs> to talk about. Because it's, it, if you, even once you get past anything that's awkward or uncomfortable, there's still the complexity. There's still the complexity of it. And that was kind of intimidating to me until I realized that it's not complex because of God. It's complex because of us. We're the ones that make it complex. God's actually really clear and, and really simple about how, how sex is supposed to go and how, what sexuality is and isn't and how it's supposed to operate. It's pretty clear and it's pretty simple. But when we start inserting our own uh, decisions or our own experiences or other people's decisions, other people's actions, our own things, we, our own preferences, we start convoluting everything. That's where the complexity comes from. Now, that doesn't take away the fact that this is complex, but what it did for me is it gave me a lot of hope this morning. Because even in the midst of all of our own complexities, if we'll all just start taking steps towards Jesus, we'll start to get things clarified. It feels complex, not because he's complex. God's not complex about this. And so the closer we start stepping to him, the clearer it's all gonna get. So as we get started this morning, uh, you may be sitting here in your seat uh, already really uncomfortable, and uh, you, might even, you might even be feeling dirty because we said the S word <laughs> in church, and you don't say the S word in church. That's a bad word. I don't know what's going on, but maybe, maybe you're uncomfortable, and maybe you are kind of like starting to get a little warm and all of that kind of stuff because you don't really want to talk about this. There's some past or current pain in regards to this subject, there's some past or current struggle in regards to sex, there's regret, or maybe there's a load of guilt and shame that you're carrying around related to sex. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. You are not the one person in the room that has something they wish they wouldn't have done or would have gone a little different. You're not alone. If you've been around here at this church for any length of time, then you've heard at least bits of my story, and you know that I am not the guy standing up here saying, I've done everything right in my life, and that's why you should listen to me. That is absolutely not where I'm coming from. I have done a whole lot of wrong things and screwed up plenty of things. I used to be addicted to pornography for over 10 years and was in all kinds of messed up stuff. And that life that I was living uh, was pretty much headed towards probably divorce and some affairs and just general brokenness and destruction. That's where my life was headed, but Jesus stepped in and changed everything. That's it. I had had accountability partners. I had done all the stuff you're supposed to do and nothing changed until I just fell in love with Jesus. And he changed my life. He turned me around. He set me free. He restored me. And he has given me more than anything I could have ever deserved. That's the only reason I'm talking about this this morning. So if you've got something that you wish wouldn't get uncovered or all that sort of thing, you're not the only one. At the very least, you can know that I'm with you. Been there. Done that. But God is good. But God is good. God is not scared of you this morning. This morning, this talk has nothing to do we're talking about guilt or shame, putting guilt on you, putting shame on you, because that has never done anybody any good. I've tried the guilt and shame game to change. It doesn't work. 
It's never done anybody any good. All I want to do this morning is be shaped by the word of God. Talk about how much God is for sex and for you having a great sex life and help us take a next step towards that. That's it. That's all. That's all I want to do. No guilt, no shame. We're just going to talk about the good stuff. Now, we got to do a long on-road, on-ramp into this because it's impossible for me to preach the end-all, be-all sermon on sex. Like cover everything, that whole deal. So I'm not even gonna try. I'm not even gonna try to talk about everything God has to say about sex, everything we could talk about. That's not what this is. And since that'd be impossible, I'm not gonna try, so don't expect it. We're just gonna try to take one step forward today. Can we do that together? Because I know that everybody has a different story and you've got different present circumstances that exist even in this room. And as I have been thinking about this morning and the complexities and the every way different directions we're all coming from, I think we can start thinking about, oh, this is a message for them. This is, this is gonna be a message for single people. This is gonna be a message for just married people or just this person or broken or whatever. Like it's, but it's not gonna be that. I think that we can all fit in one of three categories this morning. One is you're unmarried. So regardless of your sexual activity or lack thereof, you're not married. Uh, the second category could be that you're married and there's really good sex in your marriage. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that you're married, but there's not great sex in your marriage. So I'm pretty sure that everybody in here fits into one of those three categories. And the good news is, is that no matter which category you fit in, there's something here for you this morning. So don't tune out. Don't think this is for them. There's something for you. And I want you to be ready to hear from God because he wants to speak to you this morning. So wherever you are, God's got something to say. Jesus is for everybody. Can we get started this morning now? Now that we're all properly uncomfortable and nervous about what's about to happen. One thing I do want to settle your nerves with is this is not a mechanical conversation. <laughs> so don't worry. This is not the time or the place, and none of us signed up for that this morning. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> what I do want to talk about, I want to talk about two lies this morning about sex. Two lies that uh, are very prevalent in our world, in our culture, and uh, we've all believed at least one or both of them at one time. Maybe you believe them right now. We're going to talk about two lies this morning about sex and see what God might have to say to help us straighten this out, start make it get a little clearer, make it a little simpler so that we can be taking the next step towards what God has for us. The first lie that I want to talk about is that sex is just physical. It's just physical. That's one lie that we're told all the time. I don't know if you remember this song or ever heard this song, but I think I was in uh, early middle school or late middle school. I don't know when this song came out. I don't even know who, who sang it, but it had this line that said, you and me, baby, aren't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel. And it's like... It's kind of weird, and we're like, oh my gosh, that's funny, but that's the, that's the norm philosophy on sex, is it not? It's just physical, and if there's no God, then we're all just smart monkeys wearing pants, and we can take them off whenever we want. That's, that's kind of the common philosophy on sex. It's just physical. It's just physical, and as long as it's consensual, as long as nothing's being reproduced, as long as there's no disease, it's just safe. As long as we keep it safe, it's just physical. So what's the big deal? It's just an appetite. That's the lie that we believe, but God's got something to say about that, and this is good news. Genesis 2, 24, says this. It says, therefore, God's talking, we're, in the, we're, we're picking up at the very beginning of the Bible, we're in the middle of the creation story, and God is about to create us humans. 
And he says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. That sounds like a little bit more than just physical. God says that in sex you actually become one with another person. The two become one. It's, it's not just a physical union. It's spiritual. It's mental. It's psychological. It impacts every bit of who you are. This is the power of sex is that you're bringing so much more than your body to the table. This is why it's powerful. This is why it's sensitive. And this makes perfect sense that, that sex would be like this, really, if you even take a step back from Genesis 2 and look at the story of, of creation and you look at the grand scheme of creation. In Genesis 1, the chapter before, in verses 26 through 28, God's creating everything. He's created everything that there is. He's about to create us. And he says this in Genesis 1, 26 uh, through 28. He says, then God said, let us make man in our own image. And after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. There's a lot of things in those three verses, but we're gonna to try to keep it narrow here. But what does God say at the very beginning? He says something so interesting. He says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. And then the next verse says that he created male and female. And by context clues, by the rest of this, we know that he created one naked man, one naked woman, and he put him in a tropical paradise with no children. What did he think was gonna happen? And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. Clearly, God's not nervous about this whole idea of sex. He kind of created the perfect environment for it. I've been in a tropical paradise before, and I don't know. I'm just saying it's a perfect environment. I think God knew what was going on in Genesis chapter one. So we need to know that God's not nervous about this. And we also need to pick up the fact that he says to himself, let us make man in our own image. This is so interesting. Let us, God saying, let us make man in, in our own image. So from the very beginning, we begin to see this revelation of God in, in the book of Genesis, this massive theological truth and about who God is, this concept of the Trinity. What that means, if that's new for you, is it, it sounds really confusing, but we believe that God is one God, but he's manifest in three ways, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in our weak language, that's just kind of the best way that we have to describe this truth about who God is, that our one God is manifest in three interconnected persons that exist together in perfect intimacy. And he says, let us, God says, let us create man in our own image. Let us, let the three of us that are one make man in our own image, in our likeness. What I'm trying to say is that part of your God likeness is that you are hardwired for deep intimacy. You are hardwired for deep intimacy. You're not just wired for sex, you're wired for intimacy. Most of the sexual brokenness that we have in our own lives and we have in our world is really just the symptom of intimacy brokenness. See, the intimacy goes deeper than just the sex. And when you lose sight 
of this radical love of God, the absurd reality of how closely God knows you and how much he wants to be known by you. When you lose sight of God and who he is, you lose any sense of a true north on intimacy, what it is, what it's meant to be and how to be fulfilled. And when we don't have a concept of intimacy, of becoming one, like Genesis says, when we lose the concept that this is me and this, my wife becoming one, then you don't see sex as, becoming, as two people becoming one. You don't see sex as the consummation of a lifelong covenant in marriage. You don't see sex as an avenue by which you can experience this gift from God to go into this deep intimacy with another person. You don't see it like that. It's just sex. It's just physical when you have no concept of intimacy. It's just a physical appetite to satisfy however you want. It's just a hookup. It's just a test drive to see if we're compatible. It's just something that your husband or your wife selfishly wants. It's just a quick fix. It's just physical. But it's not just physical. It's not just physical. It was never meant to be just physical. It's, it's intimate. It's, it's mental. It's spiritual. It's psychological. It's unifying. It's powerful. It's, it's even prophetic. It's even prophetic. Later on in the Bible, Paul is talking about marriage, and he says this whole mystery of a man and wife, this is the declaration of how God wants to be with his church, become one. It's even prophetic. It's not just physical. And can we praise God this morning that it is so much more than just physical? It's not just physical. Our culture tells us that sex is just physical, and our guilt tells us it's too late. This is our second lie. It's too late. I already screwed up. Things are already broken. Things are already messed up. So we're about to go after some of that guilt and shame and we're gonna take it down with the truth of the word of God and I'm excited. I like freedom in Jesus. Anybody else? And I hate guilt and shame because it's from the devil and we've been talking about for four weeks that the devil, all he comes to do is steal from you, kill you and destroy you. So the guilt and the shame in your life, it is not from God. It is not how he's trying to get to you. It is not how he wants you to feel. It's the devil trying to steal from you, trying to kill you and trying to destroy you. But Jesus came to give life abundant. Somebody say amen. It's not too late. It's not too late. Our guilt and our shame tells us it's too late. So we're gonna go after this thing. Um, and, and I'm gonna probably get a little bit more vulnerable maybe than some of you wanna even hear in church, but I'm not ashamed of the grace of God and he has saved me and set me free and I'm fin to talk about it. I want you to read Isaiah 59 verse one. This is a good verse. You should write this one down. Isaiah 59 verse one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Behold, somebody, behold this morning. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear dull that he cannot hear. Do you know this morning that Jesus has really long arms? Do you know this morning that Jesus has a really good ear? Mm. I bet you can't guess what I was doing the night that Jesus set me free of my 10-year addiction and all of my brokenness. I bet you can't guess, but I can give you a hint. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't listening to a podcast. 
I can tell you that much. I was a few months into really trying to follow Jesus, 20 years old, almost 20 years old. I was a few months into trying to, really trying to follow Jesus, but there I was again. I was making progress, but there I was again. Me, my bed, midnight, and a computer on the old website, same old, same old, 10 years in, same old story. And after a while, I just couldn't keep going anymore because I was so discouraged. Like, you know that feeling when you're like, again? I thought this, I, ugh. Didn't want to be back here again, but knew I would be, and here we are. I don't know if you know the feeling, but I was so discouraged by that feeling. I was so discouraged because I was supposed to be following Jesus. I was supposed to be falling in love with Jesus, but there I was again. And in total defeat, I just kind of shut my computer, put it on the floor, rolled over in bread, and I prayed a prayer that I had prayed a thousand times over those 10 years. God, I can't do this. I need help. And I went to sleep. And a few weeks later, it was really weird. I realized I haven't like looked at anything or done anything in a few weeks, which was very abnormal. And all of a sudden I got really scared. I was like, oh shoot, that's good. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm gonna wanna go back in to do it and I'm gonna fall again. Oh gosh, here comes my time again. But then I realized I don't even want it. That's weird. It kind of scared me. Like, it, purity shouldn't scare you, but it scared me because it was so abnormal for me. I, I, I didn't understand that. I, I didn't understand how could this be true. I, I haven't been doing this, and I don't even want it. What happened? What happened? I, I, I didn't feel anything. I didn't, like, do anything different. I didn't say anything different. But what happened was that night, without even knowing it, I ran smack dab into Romans chapter 5. Verse 6 through 11. I want to read these verses to you. This is what I ran headfirst into on accident, it seemed, that night. For while we were still weak, at the right time. Somebody say the right time. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him, by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation reconciliation. I remember asking God a few weeks after that night that I didn't know something had happened, but I was finding out something had happened. I was asking God, God, what happened? Because that, that seemed really normal. What happened? And I just, as I was praying, I remember just kind of seeing this image in my, in my head and in my heart. I don't know if you've ever had that, but this, this image in my head and my heart as I was praying, and I saw myself in this pitch black space, laying in the middle of it in the fetal position. And I saw my, I was kind of tucked away and I, I peeked my head out and I just whimpered out, God. And I saw the long arm of the Lord bust through the darkness and he reached in and he put his hand over me and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Andrew, I'll take that as full surrender. We've got things to do. While I was still weak, this is our God. That was eight years ago. By accident almost. 
I met with God and he set me free and he changed everything forever. While I was still weak, while I was still sinning, while you're still an enemy of God, Jesus doesn't need to wait for the right time to restore you. When he died, he made it the right time. And he's not scared of your sin. He died on a cross. He's not scared of your darkness. He has laid in a grave. You are justified by his blood. You are saved by his grace and you are free by his power. This is our God. It's not too late. It's not too late. This is what God does. He steps into the brokenness and he brings restoration. He steps into the sin and he brings reconciliation. He steps into the darkness and he brings light. It's not too late. It's not too late. And there's so many of us walking around doing the same old, same old thing because it's too late. But it's not too late. The devil's been telling you it's too late. He's been telling you it's too late for your marriage. He's been telling you it's too late for your spouse. It's too late for your husband, for your wife, for your purity, for your relationship. It's too late for you. But Jesus used his long arm to bring somebody to church this morning who needs to hear it's not too late. It's the right time. Now is the right time. It's just physical. No, it's not. It's too late. No, it's not. So what do we do from here? What do we do from here? Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, everybody say sows, that he also will reap. Say reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. No matter which one of these three crowds I talked about at the beginning, you find yourself in this morning. This concept that the Word of God talks to us about in Galatians chapter 6 applies to you. This concept of reaping and sowing. We have a promise from God that we will reap what we sow. This is a promise that if we will spend our lives sowing into what God has led us into, we will reap the fruit of the kingdom of God. And it's not too late. No matter where you are, what you did last night, this morning, right before church, maybe it starts today, but we can sow into God and we can reap from him. It's not too late. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're in that category of just, you're, you're not married. You're not married right now. I want to encourage you that now is your time to sow what you want to reap later. These moments, even when you're frustrated, when it's hard, even when you scroll, in the midst of all of it, now is your time to sow what you want to reap later. Reap, or you want to sow faithfulness to God right now. You want to sow faithfulness into your marriage. Sow intimacy into your marriage now by staying pure, by making right decisions now. Sow safety into your marriage. Sow trust into your marriage. Sow commitment into your marriage now by the decisions you're making now so that you can reap it later. Now is your time to sow. Now is your time to sow. That's the, that's the churchy way to say it. The, the not churchy way to say it is this. Trust me, on your wedding day, you're not gonna wish you made out with more people or looked at more porn. You gotta sell out now with everything that you have for the kingdom of God. Sell out now. You don't need a spouse for you to follow Jesus now. Give your life to Jesus. Sell out. Give everything you have. Start running after Jesus day after day. Run after Jesus every day. And you're going to find yourself running maybe at some point. You're going to run past the wrong people. You're going to start running past those wrong situations because you're running. 
You notice how fast you pass things when you're running? Way faster than when you're not. And you gotta start running after Jesus. I can't get away from this relationship. Run. I can't get away from these situations. Run. I can't get away from this. Just start running after Jesus. You'll pass it real fast. You're gonna pass the wrong people. You're gonna pass the wrong circumstances. And all of a sudden, maybe one day you're gonna look up and you're gonna notice that there's somebody to your right or to your left or there's somebody up ahead pushing you. And you're gonna know right off the bat you're on the right track because the momentum's already going towards the kingdom. You've already been sowing into the kingdom of God and you can expect that you will reap because God is faithful to his promise over your life. Keep running, God is faithful. You will reap what you sow and you can sow the kingdom. You can do this. You might be in the category this morning where you're married and, and sex is actually going great. You're like, yeah, this is like really going well already. So the reason for that is that you're probably reaping a lot of good seed that you chose to sow at some point. God is good, amen? You're probably reaping some of that good seed and the awesome thing about it is to stay with the analogy, the best way to get more seed to sow is to just keep reaping. Praise God. You gotta keep sowing, keep sowing into intimacy and the best way to get seed to sow is to keep reaping. So may I just say to you, carry on my friends. Carry on, my friends, and may the best be yet to come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe you're in the third category, though. Maybe you're in the third category this morning, and you're married, but sex is, is not good. It's not what it should be. It's, Maybe it's even a wedge more than glue. Maybe it's a big problem. Maybe there's a lot of conflict. Maybe there's a lot of pain. Maybe there's a lot going on. And Within this group, I think that there's kind of like maybe two offshoots that I can say really broadly. Number one is that you're married and sex isn't good uh, just because, uh, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. We're gonna back up like 23 seconds. Does that sound good? Maybe you're in the category where you're married but the sex isn't good. And so one of the, there's two reasons maybe that that could be. And number one, to stick with the analogy again, is maybe, maybe there's no seed. Maybe you're not reaping intimacy because you stopped sowing into it. And what I mean by that is like, maybe you're here and you're like, it used to be good, but then life happened. Like, hello, kids, job, life, we moved. And then we just kind of got out of rhythm. And all of a sudden there was no harvest to reap because no seed had been sown. And it's easy to find yourself in that situation. Like, wow. It's been a while. How did that happen? And we just kind of grew apart. So number one, you're not weird and you're not really broken. Just start sewing again. Pastor's giving you homework this week. If you're there and you're like, no, it, we know it's good. Like it's been good before and I'm sure it would be good if we kind of got back into it. Just jumpstart that sucker. And I'm serious. You need to do whatever you got to do to get that going because it's not just physical. It's not just physical, your marriage, your kids, your family, your life, you need it. God's given it to you to use and enjoy, to strengthen you and your marriage. That might mean you need to schedule it. You might need to get a time, you might need to get a time away, you might need to plan it. And if that sounds lame, don't knock it till you've tried it. Do whatever you gotta do to just start sowing again and you'll start reaping. God's word is true, amen? So that's one road, but maybe the, maybe the other side is where I think it gets really complex and really sensitive and, um, yeah. It's not that there's no seed, it's maybe that there's bad seed. 
Maybe there's been a lot of bad seed sown. And maybe what you guys are reaping in your intimacy or lack thereof is a result of a whole lot of bad seed. Maybe it was never good. Maybe it was never healthy. Maybe it was never that enticing. Maybe you were never really on the same page. Maybe it never started out well. And that's kind of landed, where, landed you where you are. There's been a lot of bad seed. Maybe there's been a lot of bad seed sown like unfaithfulness or addiction. There's been bad decisions. There's been bad experiences. There's been things you've done or things that people have done to you, like even abuse or there's selfishness. Or maybe, it's, maybe one of those things isn't from the past. Maybe one of those things is going on right now. And there's not a good harvest because there was never good seed. There could be a million different reasons why you find yourself in this category. And I could never go into every category, and, and that's not the purpose of this morning. I couldn't even try. It, would not, it wouldn't work, and there's no sense in that. But what I do think that we can do this morning is for those who maybe find yourselves in that situation, um, I want to just inspire you on how to take your next step towards fruitfulness, towards what God has promised you. When I think about taking a step forward, I, I realize that, you know, just, just physically, you know, if you're going to take a step forward, you got to use both feet, right? So I'm going to give you a right foot and a left foot that you can take a step with right now, this week, in your life, in your marriage, towards what God has promised you. You can call whichever foot, whichever one you want. <laughs> but the first thing, the first foot that I want to give you to step on is I want you to believe. You're going to have to believe. If you want to take a step towards reaping what God has planned for you and your spouse, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that no matter what it's been like, no matter what it's like right now, you've got to believe that intimacy with one another and sex with one another can be amazing and will be amazing. If you don't start believing that, we're not going to get real far. You've got to believe that, you, that this is what it could be. You, go, you both have to decide together. Do you believe this or do you not? You've got to start there. You can't wait for it to happen. You've got to start and say, we're going to get there because we can. That's what your first step has to be. You've got to believe together that we can, we can get there. We can get there. And that, maybe that's your right foot. And you're halfway towards your first step. And the second step, your left foot, is that you've got to buy in. You've got to buy in. You've got to buy in to doing whatever it takes to get to what you're believing for. And I'm not gonna stand up here and say, just snap your fingers, pray a prayer, and boom, it happens. Maybe, but maybe not. And if you wanna get there, if you wanna get there, you've gotta believe that you can get there and you gotta buy in to doing whatever it takes. You gotta buy into whatever it takes to get there. It's gonna take effort. It's probably gonna take healing. There's a lot of reasons that you're here in the first place. It could take a lot of repentance. It could take a lifestyle change. It could take a belief change. It could take counseling. It could take all of these things and lots of conversation, lots of work. You're probably gonna to have to bring people in to help. It may take a lot, but if you believe that of where you can go and you'll buy into doing whatever it takes to get there, you will get there because you just took your first step. I believe it can happen and I'm in for whatever it's gonna take because it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't know what your journey looks like from here and you probably don't either, but if you'll follow your belief with your buy-in, you will get where you wanna go and it will be better than you think. It will. We just covered a lot. So I think we should worship and let God kind of do some more work on us. Jesus cares about your everyday life. 
He cares about who you are. He cares about how you're wired. He cares about the conflict. He cares about the pain. He cares about the struggle. He cares about you experiencing what he created you for. Intimacy with him and in your marriage, intimacy with your spouse. God cares about this and it matters for your life because it's not just physical. And I just wonder what it could look like if we, the church, stopped following the world around and their broke, stopped only following the world around in their brokenness and started leading them in their healing started leading them in hope, started leading them in vision, started leading them in example, started leading them with hope of what it could be. And like I said, I know it's not cool to talk about sex in church, but we gotta start talking about it here because it's the only place it doesn't get talked about. It's talked about in the lunchroom, your kid's locker room, the internet, every song you listen to, it seems like it's all about doing it the wrong way. But God is screaming, don't miss it. I'm trying to give you something. I'm trying to show you who I am. I'm trying to show you what could be. Every day, just walk with me. Walk with me every day. Sow into me every day, and you will reap my promises. I want you to stand up as we close this morning. We're going to worship, and we're going to sing that song that we sang at the uh, beginning one more time. It's called You Came. And it talks about God standing out of the grave of Lazarus. That's what the song was written out of. He's standing out of a t- outside of a tomb of somebody who had died, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And he brings new life where there was death. Why? Because he's a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God. And if you're here this morning and you've got some dead places or you need a miracle, you are in the right place and it's the right time. It is the right time this morning. Somebody say, it's the right time. It's the right time. So no matter who you are, no matter what category you find yourself in, I just, I want you to open up your heart to the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, what's my next step? What's my next step? How do, I, how do I continue to sow into what you have for me? Whether you're single, you're married, wherever you are in there, right now, believe that God has something to say for you. There's a step for you to take this week because Jesus is an everyday kind of Jesus. He's not theoretical. He's not out there. He's not just for Sunday mornings and you get to come back and get a fix next week. No, he's launching you in to the life he created you for. Right here, right now, it's the right time. We're gonna sing and celebrate that he came. We're gonna sing and we're gonna celebrate that he brings miracles. And I believe right now he's gonna bring life to dead places. So Lord, we believe in you this morning. And I ask God, just as we uh, spend, spend these moments in, in our seat, as we spend these moments worshiping you, Lord, I pray that you'd put faith into our hearts right now. Even that image you gave somebody before of that dry, wasted land with all the cracks in it, Lord, would you come now and would you bring healing? Would you erase the memories? Would you heal the pain? Would you, would you give hope where there's hopelessness, God? And would you bring unity where there's division? Lord, we ask that you would raise up the church in our city, not just our church, but the people of God, to to preach a message of hope, to live lives of hope, to live lives that lead into healing, that lead into resurrection, that lead into miracles, that lead into intimacy, that lead to healthy families, that lead to healthy kids, that lead to healthy schools, that lead to healthy workplaces, that lead to healthy cities, that lead to healthy nations, that lead to a healthy world. Lord, we need to see you this morning. I pray that you'd open up our eyes to see that you came. You came at the right time. You came at the right time. At midnight in the dark, you came. Outside of the grave, you came. And I speak that over you this morning. If you're here and you're saying, nope, not for me. I used to hear people talk about getting free and think that's great for you and I would love that, but you don't get it. You don't know how bad it is. You know, you don't know how good he is. 
You don't know how good he is. Lord, come Holy Spirit in your power. Lord, every single person, give us vision and discipline and confidence and faith to sow into a, a fruitful life. Lord, I pray over every marriage, I pray intimacy right now, God, breakthrough, to have conversations that are uncomfortable, to give forgiveness where it's been impossible, to bring repentance where there hasn't been any. God, today is the day. Your arm is not short that it cannot save. Hear us this morning, Lord, with your ear that is not dull. You came, you came, you came, and we believe in Jesus' name.